You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. I'm here in an empty studio, but we have a very full Skype uh as per usual uh currently so let's start with ken how are you doing today just woke up uh, a little groggy but uh we'll get there have you been playing any any new games or trying to finish any campaigns yeah i've been playing the uh the lord of the rings uh shadow of uh war and uh final fantasy 13 again i've had all three of the final fantasy 13 games i only played the first one so trying to work my way through those nice that sounds good and uh yeah uh, fellow gamer, I believe, uh, still playing games, is Jeff. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you, Neil? I'm doing all right. Now, you're also a fan of Final Fantasy, aren't you? I am, yes. I do like the Final Fantasy series. And have you been up to anything new? Is is uh, work treating you okay? Uh, yeah, work's been treating me okay. Um, kind of, so I still have to go in every day, but that's probably good for me. And uh, But yeah, I just downloaded uh, Red Dead 2. Um, and kind of, I have been playing online, so that's been kind of fun. Oh boy, I can't imagine the uh, hijinks you both get into in the desert. Uh, sure, it's not pretty. Cowboys. Ken Cowboy likes to hijinks. be all like sneaky and stealthy, and I like to just go in guns a blazing. So I could see that. So yeah, d- definitely, you guys are the the new Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid uh, doing the high high hijinks of the West. Um, that's right. Uh, well, our third uh, co-host here uh, is not here, Matt. Uh, he actually uh, is is programming a new version of Zoom, which while you're Zooming with your coworkers, you're actually also watching the Tim Allen film Zoom uh, about kids superheroes. So um, good luck to him on that. And hopefully things will, will work out for him uh, and we'll see what happens there. But uh, I told have- him that's a multi-dollar idea. It, well, yeah, yeah, it is. It, it, all the dollars out of his pocket to just rent Zoom on iTunes every time. Uh we have special guests here uh, who are going to uh, be a contestant and a host. Uh, so we'll start with uh, a contestant. Uh, we've been trying to get him on the show for a really long time. We're really happy to have him here uh, coming to us from Hampton, Virginia. He's a uh, cruiserweight champion on Patreon, which we appreciate. And that's Alex Rojo. How's it going, Alex? How's it going, gentlemen? Happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, live out in uh, Hampton, Virginia for about a year now. I was previously stationed in Germany for about six years. Uh, married. Got two dogs. Enjoy trivia in my off time. 
Awesome. Well, thank you very much uh, for joining us. We know it's uh, it's been a while, and we're excited to have you play. You're going to be playing with Jeff today, so we'll uh, have to figure out a team name for you. Uh, so we'll get there soon. Uh, but our special guest host today, uh, coming to us from Fort Thomas, Kentucky, he's an Intercontinental Champion on Patreon, which we appreciate, and that's Ryan Burroughs. How's it going, Ryan? Hey, how's it going? Good to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I live in uh, Fort Thomas, Kentucky, just outside of Cincinnati. I uh, work for a corporate partner of a major retailer. I help them with optimizing their shelf space of stores going through remodels. Uh, started playing trivia when we found a restaurant that had 40 cent wing nights on their trivia nights and quickly fell in love with the trivia. got kind of enamored with it. And then, um, yeah, started looking for trivia podcasts to listen to while I worked. And that's how I found you guys. Nice, nice. Uh, I guess 40 cent wing nights will uh, get anyone to come out, it sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you uh, for joining us today. Uh, and you also wrote today's game. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. Let's throw it to the rules guy and let's see if the rules have changed uh, over this uh, crazy time. Triviality Podcast is two rounds of 20 questions worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there's a special swing round by this week's host. In the final round, players wager points they've earned for a chance to become the cream of the crop. The cream rise to the top, oh yeah. Well, he's pretty consistent. Uh, they're still, still the, same. the same. Still the same. It's reassuring to know that at least some things haven't changed. Yeah, right. Exactly. He's uh, he's forging on and uh, staying the same. Well, uh, Jeff, you and Alex are going to be teammates. Uh, any ideas on names for your team? All right. So, uh, yeah, in honor of the fact that uh, Ken and I have been playing Red Dead, or as we affectionately call it, the horsey game, Alex and I have decided to be Team Cowboy Hijinks. Cowboy uh, Hijinks. Neil, you want to be the horsey game? Yeah, we'll be the horsey game. I like that. All right. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Horsey game versus cowboy hijinks. Uh, if everyone is good to go, Ryan, feel free to take over. All right. Question one. Here we go. Although they're not related, the movie Mission Impossible 2 contains the same crowd sound effect as what 1999 video game due to the filmmakers license- licensing the same 30 second recording as the game developer. I recommend this game if the movie looks too intense for you. All right. We're locked in. Alex, do you have any insight into this one? Uh, no, I think they're John Woo directed MI2. Um, 1999, I guess that would be like 64 PlayStation era. Let's Do see, I'm trying to remember. Is Tycoon as an answer? Uh, I, I, it sound, I, I, I'm, I'm with it. Okay. Yeah, if, if you're comfortable going with it, I'd like to, I think I want to lock that in. Uh, it's just a guess, but. That is a solid guess. Um, we're just going to say uh, Perfect Dark because he said if it's too intense, so I don't know. Saying that something is too intense for you is a common saying in this game. The correct answer is Roller Coaster Tycoon. Wow. Mm, good one, Jeff. What a pull. Wow. Now, Jeff, did you often build roller coasters where there were no ends so the, the carts yeah, would just so they fly just off? crashed horribly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was the only thing I ever built. My theme park was a death trap. <laughs> Built the euthanasia coaster with the seven loops. That's right. It takes your photo right before you uh, you meet your demise that you'll never get to see. We would send the photos passive aggressively to the deceased loved ones. Oh, man. All right. On that note, let's go to question two. <laughs> question two. 
If you were to fly into Toussaint Louverture Airport, named after the only successful modern slave rebellion leader against European rule, you would find yourself in what Caribbean capital city? Do you have uh, any line on this? Because I have a guess, Neil. Oh, I mean, if you have a guess, I was just trying to uh, suss it out from the French, uh, but uh, it's more of a geography question, so you're probably better than I am. All right, I have a, I have a decent idea then. Uh, my gut instinct was Haiti, yes, but I, just I'm not a whole sure. lot. I'm pretty sure this is Haiti. Uh, capitals, Port-au-Prince. All right, we also said Port-au-Prince. Port-au-Prince is correct. Nice. Good job. All right, got a geography one. That's yeah, all right. We're on the board, so it's good. All right, question number three, originally titled Return to Narnia and later adapted into a 2008 film, what is the name of the second book in C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia series? No word on whether the title would be changed to the book formerly known as this. I can lock this one in, Ken, if, if you want. Yeah, I know too. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, so we're locked in over here at Horsey Game. Uh, do, uh, you know, do you know this one, Alex? No, sir, I do not. Okay, I feel like originally the first book was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and then I think they wrote a book called The Magician's Nephew, which chronologically came before that. So I don't know if it's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or... It's a lot of knowledge going on there, so I think I'll, I'll go with you again. <laughs> okay, we'll go with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. All right. Um, well, uh, if you went, uh, especially by Ryan's last clue about the artist formerly known as, you'd get Prince. And uh, one of the books in the series is called Prince Caspian. So that's what we locked in with. Yeah, surprisingly, this isn't the boy in his horsey game. <laughs> uh, yeah, Prince Caspian is correct. Uh, sorry, Alex, I missed the clue there. Should have gotten that I didn't have a whole lot there, so. All right, question number four. At least it was here by the 88 is the theme song for what NBC sitcom running from 2009 to 2015, a show that's streets ahead of most other shows at the time. Okay, so um, Jeff locked in, so we can go ahead and talk. Uh, at least it was here 2009 to 2015. I, I have trouble uh, clocking you know, TV show dates, and I don't really know this theme song, I don't think, Neil. At least it was here, streets ahead. So that's not The Office, right? The Office started earlier than that? No, that's earlier. And then Parks and Rec, I'm trying to remember. I feel like that was like 20... It's longer. That's a longer run. We're talking about only a six-season run, 2009 to 2015. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Yeah, we'll we'll have to tap out here. Yeah, we're going to tap. All right, Alex. uh, If you're comfortable with it i'm fairly positive that this is a show that had six seasons but not a movie and i think this is community yeah the the catchphrase that chevy chase really tried to push was the streets ahead uh but yeah i agree yeah community is correct oh man that's that's why that's that's one i should have gotten because i've seen all of community but uh that reference escaped me just well funny coincidence i'm currently rewatching community Mm. And I know that that theme song's terribly catchy too, but it's been a little too long since I've heard it. So, yeah, I've actually never seen Community, um, and I'm sure that all the phrases that I've heard Chevy Chase say are definitely not streets ahead. But we can't say them on the program, so <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh, that's because they're streets behind. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Question five: Though it's seen some of the brightest minds the world has ever seen, 
the Ivy League has only produced two Jeopardy college tournament champions, one in 2014 and one in 2018. One has notable alumni, including Brooke Shields and Michelle Obama, and was originally founded by New Light Presbyterians to train ministers. The other is the alma mater of Emma Watson and Andrew Yang, and this school's college champion gave the We Love You, Alex final Jeopardy response that went viral late last year. For five points each, name these two schools. Um, I know one of them for sure, and I think I know the second one, so um, uh, okay. All right, uh, I went through my brand. I think I got both of them correct, so I'm going to lock in. I believe uh, Yang went to Princeton, um, and if I had to take a guess, I think Michelle Obama went to Brown. I'm not sure that that's a Ivy League school, though. Brown is definitely an Ivy League school, yeah. Okay, so then that was my gut instinct. I was pretty certain about Andrew Yang, and then uh, kind of a gut instinct on, on Brown from Michelle Obama. So uh, which ones are we going with? Uh, Princeton and Brown, I believe. Okay, we're going to go If Princeton. you're going to agree with us. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, um, although I think they got there a little bit uh, of a different way. Um, I know Emma Watson went to Brown uh, when I was visiting Providence. Uh, she was at school at the time. Uh, so I was trying to see if she was roaming the campus uh, with her uh, Gryffindor robe. And then uh, Brooke Shields, I knew, I, I wasn't sure about Michelle Obama, but I knew Brooke Shields had gone to Princeton. So uh, I went Princeton and Brown. You guys both got it right. It is Princeton and Brown. But funny enough, uh, you said Michelle Obama went to Brown and Andrew Yang went to Princeton, but it was actually the other way around. Michelle Obama went to Princeton and uh, Andrew Yang went to Brown. But either way, it worked out. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> how you get there. All right. After five questions, it looks like Team uh, Cowboy Hijinks has a slight lead at 40 and uh, Horsey Game has 30. Let's uh, continue, Ryan. All right. Question number six. Considered by many to be the best mid-distance track runner of all time, current mile world record holder Ikem El Garouge won two Olympic gold medals and four world championships for what Western African country? Many of these world records that he set were due to the help of a robot, I mean a rabbit, pacing him on the track. Do you uh, do you happen to know this one, Alex? Uh, robot is obviously the clue. It's the city... Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure on the country. Um, it sounds familiar though. Okay. I think, I think Morocco, uh, is probably, I, I feel good about that. Um, okay. yeah, the only other one I could think of is I know there's a lot of distance runners that come from Nigeria and I know that's Western African. Um, there might be a decent sized Arabic speaking population there. But I don't know. If I, I think if I had to pick between the two, especially by going with a, a thought process here, I think Morocco more than okay. uh, Nigeria. Yep. I don't have a good idea. So if you if you like Morocco, I'm happy to go with it. Morocco sounds good. Um, yeah, we, we didn't know. We were trying to think of countries in Western Africa, but uh, just not good with geography. Uh, I just randomly said Ghana. So I have no idea. All right. Yeah. So the hint was Rabat. It is the capital of Morocco. Nice. Oh, wow. Good pull by you guys. All right. Number seven. The name of what defensive NFL penalty comes from an old French word that means to fasten on or to catch with a hook? Uh, Okay. We can lock in. All right, Alex. I was thinking this was encroachment. I don't know how you feel about that. 
Yeah, that's literally the only defensive penalty I could think of. So I think <laughs> I mean there's like defensive offsides, but that's yeah, that's like, not like a actual term. Like it's all sound, pretty doesn't sound French. So yeah, okay. yeah, if you're happy with encroachment, we'll go encroachment. Yeah, that was the only uh, French-sounding defensive penalty I can think of. Uh, so we went with encroachment. All right, you guys are both right. It is encroachment. Encroachment, or however you say it. I'm sure in French. I'm sure they're yelling it a lot at the TV. all right you guys ready for question eight let's do it all right what popular 80s doll accompanied by her sidekick twink and horse starlight was the protector of color against the evil murky dismal all right uh ken uh i think i have an idea on some 80s things that we can uh we can talk about um i'll send you right now well that's lucky because i just i this doesn't is not ringing familiar to me so if you have an idea, go ahead and lock it. Alex, I feel like I'm totally out of my depth on this. <laughs> I was just about to say the same thing. I, I can't even think of 80s dolls. <laughs> Cabbage Patch Kids, uh, Strawberry Shortcake. Yeah, I mean, Strawberry Shortcake is as good as guesses I'll ever have. Sounds good to me. I'm not going to sit here all day thinking about it. Because the only <laughs> other one I have in my head is Princess Unicorn, and that's fictional and from The Office. So... <laughs> All right, so uh, you guys locked in with uh, Strawberry Shortcake. Uh, yeah, the only two I could think of, dolls from the 80s, uh, well, other than the Cabbage Patch dolls, which I knew that it was not, uh, were Care Bears and Rainbow Bright. And I sent it to Ken, and Ken said, well, Care Bears were bears, and I did not even see that logic in front of me. So we just uh, defaulted to Rainbow Bright. Well, it's a good thing to, to default to. That is correct. Oh, sweet. Rainbow Bright. Good job, Neil. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I'm- I just That was the only thing I could think of. Yeah, the name sounds familiar, but I can't remember it at all. I remember um, the only thing I know about it is uh, it's like white. It looks like a um, like almost like a snowball, I think. And there's like um, they have like skinny arms. Uh, I don't know. That, I, that's all I can think of, honestly. Huh. Are you ready for question nine? Casa Mila, Guel Palace, and La Sagrada Familia are buildings designed by what Spanish architect? I know like one architect, Neil. So do you know any others? I don't know any Spanish architects. So whatever one you know is better than my guess. I don't know any Spanish architects. So, um, uh, Oh, by the way, what's you would know this. What's the name of the architect of the Matrix? Isn't that the dude who says ergo? His name is the architect. Oh, it's just the architect. Okay. <laughs> so that'll be my answer, the architect. Sweet. All right. Yeah, that's what we'll lock in with. All right, Alex. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is Gaudi. 100% agree. I actually got to see the Sagrada Familia. So. Oh, in Barcelona? Nice. Anthony Gaudi is correct. Nice. So he definitely was not in the Matrix then, is what you're saying? Oh, he might have Unfortunately been. not. Okay. He's All right, such a blue pill. You know what I'm saying? Right, Neil? I know right? what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go with question number 10. Besides amateur trombone player, what was the occupation of Charlie Brown's dad? His clients may include Schroeder and Peppermint Patty, but Charlie provides them little to work with. I've got an oh, idea. I kind of get the hint, Neil. Alex, do you think he was a barber? Judging by all the clues, it, it sounds good, but I have no <laughs> no baseline knowledge of this, so I like it, though. Okay, well, we'll guess barber. Yeah, going purely from the clues, we're going to say Barber, since Charlie Brown didn't have very much hair except for that one little swirl. Yeah, Barber is correct. 
After the first round, it looks like uh, Cowboy Hijinks are still a few trots ahead at uh, 80 points. And uh, over at the Spittoon in the Saloon is uh, Horsey Game with 60 points. Uh, so before we go to the swing round, uh, just a quick uh, reminder, if you'd like to join Alex and Ryan on Patreon, we'd very much appreciate it. Uh, they've been supporting us for quite a long time, and uh, they have some great perks like extra bonus episodes they can listen to. There's a ton of content, almost 40 uh, different uh, pieces of content that you can listen to over there. Uh, and uh, also character boxes and posters and stickers and all that good stuff. So if you'd like to join them over there and help support us uh, to keep us going, we've still been recording during this crazy time and uh, trying to do what we can, which is basically uh, provide some sort of escape. So that's the best thing we can do, and we're going to continue doing it as much as we can uh, and uh, learn how to uh, exist over Skype here. But um, for Ryan and Alex and everyone who supports us on Patreon, we thank you and we appreciate it. And you can join them at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. Uh, Ryan, what do you have in store for us today for the swing round? All right. So my favorite uh, Jeopardy categories and favorite swing round categories are before and afters. So I have 10 of them. All right. In the swing round, number one, former CBS sitcom in which a delivery driver for the fictional International Parcel Service is also a member of an American rock band fronted by Josh Homme. Number two, the oldest men's clothier in the U.S. who manufactured the first Masters green jackets and wrote short stories such as Rapunzel, The Goose Girl, and The Juniper Tree. Number three, Tarantino film in which John Ruth and his fugitive prisoner encounter one of the Christmas gifts that my true love gave to me. Number four, 2012 John Green novel and eventual film where Hazel and Gus fall in love and read a daily newspaper dedicated to providing independent daily content concerning the members of the U.S. Armed Forces. Number five, Pixar film in which an inventive ant is mistaken to be the Messiah. Number six, Thin Lizzy song covered by Metallica makes its way onto Alice in Chains' 1994 album alongside songs No Excuses and I Stay Away. Number seven, name for heavenly lingerie brand model. That's a slang term for PCP. Number eight, first two initials of the British Army officer known as Lawrence of Arabia precede the traditional motto of the United States found on U.S. coins, meaning out of many, one in Latin. Number nine, band who in 1995 tried to salvage a relationship by remembering breakfast at Tiffany's also tries to remember the Lee to George podcast that answers the question, what's the name of that song? And number 10, the caped crusader gets a blurred line singer as a new sidekick and they tour as this duo. All right. Uh, we're going to take a look at those and we will be right back with our answers. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. 
the nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All the answers are locked in, so let's go back to Ryan for those clues one more time, and we'll give our answers. All right, number one, the CBS sitcom in which a delivery driver for the fictional International Parcel Service is a member of an American rock band fronted by Josh Homme. What you guys come up with? Yep, uh, this one uh, was a show, I think, uh, is one of Ken's top five shows of all time, uh, especially the following... All right, it's enough of that. (laughs) (laughs) He's a big fan of Kevin James' film career. Um, But yes, um, due to the fact that I saw Josh Homme uh, fall on his face uh, completely wasted after a concert uh, of them, Crooked Vultures... Uh, getting into an SUV and did not say hi to his fans. Uh, but that wasn't the band we're talking about. Uh, we went with King of Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, see, we thought this was uh, Mike and Flogging Molly. No, we're kidding. We said uh, King of <laughs> Queens of the Stone Age. <laughs> yeah, King of Queens of the Stone Age is correct. All right, number two, the oldest men's clothier in the U.S. who manufactured the masters, the first master's green jackets and wrote short stories such as Rapunzel, The Goose Girl, and The Juniper Tree. This one took us a little longer to uh, grab, but I think we got it, and we went with uh, Brooks Brothers Grimm. We agreed. Uh, this was all Jeff, top to bottom, Brooks Brothers Grimm. Brooks Brothers Grimm is correct. All right, number three. Tarantino film in which John Ruth and his fugitive partner encounter one of the Christmas gifts that my true love gave to me. Yeah, this, this one is the one that uh, me and Neil spent the most time on because we just couldn't um, we couldn't equate the gifts with the correct numbers. But uh, I think we ended up with Hateful Eight, Ladies Dancing. Um, so I'm going to give all credit to Alex on this because uh, <clears throat> he reminded me right away that it was <clears throat> Hateful Eight. Um, and then I had to do the entire song to get to eight maids of milking so we said hateful eight maids of milking yeah watching jeff struggle with the uh the days of christmas song is pretty fun to listen to but it is hateful hateful eight maids of milking oh, yeah man. i i had geese laying swans of swimming ladies dancing basically everything except maids of milking until i went backwards through the whole song <laughs> Oh, man, Ken and I were having so much trouble trying to figure out. We knew we got some of them. I think we knew the twelve. I think was drummers drumming. But we knew we knew all the all the gifts, but we couldn't figure out what numbers they correlated with. All right, number four, two thousand twelve, John Green novel where Hazel and Gus fall in love and read a daily newspaper dedicated to producing independent daily content concerning the members of the U.S. Armed Force Armed Forces. Yeah, this one, uh, we knew the John Green book. We just assumed it was uh, The Fault in Our Stars. Uh, and uh, I, I was assuming, I know there's a John Sousa song, uh, John Philip Sousa called Stars and Stripes. So uh, we said The Fault in Our Stars and Stripes. Yeah, Jeff got The uh, Fault in Our Stars pretty quickly. Uh, and then, you know, I kind of had to easy in on this one. But yeah, Stars and Stripes. So Fault in Stars and Our Stripes. Yes, Fault in Our Stars and Stripes is correct. Uh, number five, Pixar film in which an inventive ant is mistaken to be the Messiah. Uh, we were looking on the uh, bright side of life for this one, for uh, Bugs Life of Brian. 
Yeah, kind of give credit to Alex on this one. I knew A Bug's Life, and he reminded me of Life of Brian, a film that neither of us have seen, but we said A Bug's Life of Brian. A Bug's Life of Brian is correct. All right, number six, Thin Lizzy Song, covered by Metallica, makes its way onto Alice in Chains' 1994 album, alongside songs No Excuses and I Stay Away. Yeah, we realized that we couldn't uh, come up with another Alice in Chains album besides Dirt, um, so we we couldn't really get there on this one, so we're out. I'm a pretty big fan of Thin Lizzy myself, so I'll be upset if we didn't come to this one, but Jeff was able to say Jar of Flies as the album, and then I believe uh, Whiskey Jar is a Thin Lizzy song, so Whiskey Jar of Flies. Uh, yeah, I'll give you credit for this one. It's Whiskey in the Jar of Flies. All right, number seven, name for the heavenly lingerie brand model. That's a slang term for PCP. Yep. Uh, this one, uh, I think I got pretty quickly. Uh, we went with Victoria's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, we went with Victoria's Secret Angel Dust. Yeah, you're going to hear the same thing from us. We said Victoria's Secret Angel Dust. And Victoria's Secret Angel Dust is correct. All right, moving on to number eight. First two initials of the British Army officer known as Lawrence of Arabia precede the traditional motto of the United States found on U.S. coins, meaning out of many, one in Latin. Yep, uh, it's uh, T.E. Lawrence, so we're going with T.E. Pluribus Unum. We got the same answer, T.E. Pluribus Unum. That is correct. Good job. All right, number nine. Band who in 1995 tried to salvage a relationship by remembering Breakfast at Tiffany's also tries to remember the Lee to George podcast that answers the question, what's the name of that song? Yep, seen, uh, seen this video uh, on VH1 many, many, many times uh, over the years, uh, especially pop-up video, and uh, we went with Deep Blue Something Something Birds. I forgot about pop-up video. Yeah, uh, we agree. Uh, Lee's a friend of the show, uh, so we knew that was Something Something Birds, and we remembered Deep Blue Something, so Deep Blue Something Something Birds. Deep Blue Something Something Birds is correct. If we had a pop-up video for this show... Uh, I, I can't even imagine what the facts would be. It, it would be nonsense. All right. And number 10, the caped crusader gets a blurred line singer as a nude sidekick and they tour as this duo. That is uh, Batman and Robin Thicke. We came to the same answer. Batman and Robin Thicke. Batman and Robin Thicke is correct. After the swing round, it looks like the scores are a little bit tighter. Uh, a horsey game uh, is up to 100. So we're going to at least break that. And um, the team of cowboy hijinks or what i like to call my vacation is uh, 130 uh, going into the second round and for all of you who would like to interact with some of our listeners with us uh, please join us over at the crop on facebook and you can also hit us up uh, at twitter and instagram at triviality pod where we're starting to post a little bit more uh, and uh, trying to get into that instagram game so uh, you know be prepared for images of jeff uh, with his hand backwards leading people to nice vistas and uh other instagram tropes uh that we'll we'll learn ryan uh, feel free to take it away for round two all right round two question one what 1986 movies title is often used as a nickname for decks in collectible card games such as magic the gathering and hearthstone they use a single copy of each card due to a famous quote in the film so ken you know magic yeah i can't quite remember what they call these decks jeff are you locked in do not play this format 
Um, you, I think or... I know what he's talking about, but I don't quite know if it's right. Yeah, I have a guess. I know it's a, a 1986 movie. I just watched it. Uh, I doubt that there's a game deck called this, but we can lock in with it. The Magic the Gathering format that's a singleton format is... It, it's uh, referred to as a singleton format, but it's called Commander. And so I wonder if... I'm really bad with the coming up with the time frame of movies. I was trying to think of something that would have to do with games and have like a famous quote. And then I, again, I don't know if it was 86, but like war games, like the Matthew Broderick movie, but I, I, I'm coming from it from the movie where there's not a whole lot of hints. So you're coming at it from the deck. So, I mean, I'm, I'm go down to go with whatever you were leaning towards. Yeah. I don't know. Just really bugging me. Cause I, I obviously I'm a huge match the gathering fan. Um, Commander has a nickname, um, and it's uh, Commander is the nickname. Originally, the format was called Elder Dragon Highlander, and so I wonder if Highlander is the movie. Ooh, there can only and be only, one. Only one may stand is the uh, is the thing from that I think because one of the podcasts I listen to they mention that all the time. Yeah, that's like yeah. There can tech, only be tech. one is, is the Highlander. So I, yeah, way yeah, to yeah. get there. Yeah, so we're gonna go Highlander. Yeah, that I mean, now that makes sense because there there only can be one. Uh, yeah, we had no idea. I just knew Top Gun came out in 1986, and we went with Top Gun. All right, so I used to play a lot of Hearthstone, and I think this is more prevalent in Hearthstone than Magic the Gathering. I did a quick Google search on Magic the Gathering Highlander decks, and they exist, but uh, I guess they're not as you know well known. But the correct answer is Highlander for the quote: "There can be only one." All right, number two. What soft drink brand had to shut down its 2012 online naming contest for a new green apple flavor after the highest voted suggestion was Hitler did nothing wrong? (laughs) So we're looking for a 2012 soft drink company that uh, tried to make a green apple flavor. Well, it's just a soft drink company. It's not like limited. I love when the the naming uh, contest was in 2012. You can't trust the internet to name things. I love these naming contests so much because they always go haywire, obviously. Bodie McBoatface really made me mad. Although they did name like something on the boat, Bodie McBoatface. So okay, I think uh, me and Neil have a solid guess here, so we're gonna lock in. No, like Mountain Dew Green Apple or something. No, because they'd name it something ridiculous. Yeah, Extreme Green or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like Acidic Slime or something like that, right? <laughs> so most no, of this leave it question is about a naming contest. Yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. No, Mountain Dew's already got a green. I can't imagine they would do a green apple. We can go Snapple. I don't know. I, I I like it. I mean, they'd have a green apple flavor, so. Yeah, I that, I, that would just be guess if I was playing by myself, but I'll, I'll leave it up to you. No, oh, I like Snapple. We'll go with it. Okay. We uh, said Mountain Dew because they're always coming out with uh, new flavors and naming them funky things, so. Yeah, the 2012 contest was called the Dub the Dew Contest. It was Mountain Dew. Nice. Yeah, that was just our gut right away. We're like, oh, it's probably Mountain Dew. Yeah, so they had, they had like a the top 10 answers, most of which I can't say on here, but just look it up if you have the time because that's hilarious what they... If the one that you could say was Hitler did nothing wrong, I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> just just trust me. <laughs> lots, lots of sexual in- innuendos. Uh, question number three. At 28 years old, Chris Weinke is the oldest recipient of the Heisman Trophy Award. 
He didn't find as much success in the NFL, however, as he only had two career wins, both with what Southern NFL team that drafted him in 2001? Uh, okay. I'm going to lock in. All right. What's your uh, early 2000s NFL knowledge like, Alex? 2001. To only get two wins, so it was probably a bad team in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if the Bucks were bad at that time. Um, I feel like the San Diego Chargers had a pretty high pick. I don't know if you'd count them as Southern. They're in the Southern U.S. geographically, but not like what you'd usually call the South. The Bucks got good, I think, in the mid uh, mid two thousands. So they could have been bad. Um, yeah, it's just too far back. I don't remember. I was like, I think that was still when the Saints were bad before Drew Brees. Um, and whatever your gut says. I don't know. Let's guess the we'll guess the Saints, I guess. Yeah, this is def- this is definitely a Matt question. Uh, I know the name; it sounds familiar. I can see it on the back of a jersey. I just had no idea, and so I just my logic was saying um, after uh, Elway beat the the Falcons uh, in the late '90s, maybe they had like a a dip before Matt Ryan got there, and so we said Atlanta Falcons. No points, unfortunately. The correct for the correct answer is the Carolina Panthers. Ah. Yeah, Chris Wanky started his. Uh, he started in the major league baseball minor league system, and then uh, eventually moved to college football. And played for Florida State. That's why he was the twenty-eight-year-old uh, recipient of the Heisman Trophy award. All right, you guys ready for question four? Let's do it. All right, you may not be able to put a face to the name of astronaut Leland Melvin, but if you frequent social media, there's a chance you've seen his NASA portrait which went viral due to him including two of what in his official photo. Yeah, I have this one. Cool. Yeah, I, I have no idea. So it was actually his his day. I forget. Uh, somewhere in Virginia, they they dubbed it his day. I think it's like in northern Virginia. But he's got two dogs in his uh, photo, like two large brown dogs. Yep. I think they were uh, – they might be golden retrievers, but we said uh, dogs – yeah, I'm not sure what uh, breed they were, but yeah, his dog is correct. Now that you say it, I can picture it. All right, number five. A 2013 documentary showcased bizarre film director Alejandro Jodorowsky and his attempt to adapt what 1965 sci-fi novel into a film back in the mid-1970s. In this staying documentary, he mentioned that he intended on it being a 14-hour film and that he hadn't actually read the book at the time of it being pitched to producers. Okay, uh, me and Neil have an idea here, so we're going to lock in with our guests. I'm trying to think of 1965 sci-fi books, Alex. Do you have any idea on this? Um, again, I'm not really certain on the timeline. I know that it was a, a fairly old book, and I know that it's been attempted to be adapted many times, especially with the upcoming... Denis Villeneuve. So I was going to go Dune, uh, but I don't, I'm not super familiar with the documentary. It's just I know that that's like a huge sci-fi novel that has been attempted to be made several times. That sounds good to me. I've, I'm totally out of my element on this one. Okay. We also said Dune due to its uh, notoriously uh, difficult reputation as being hard to adapt. But, uh, you know, if you try to read Dune, you, you get in there and you start reading it and you just keep reading it and reading it and it takes a long time to read. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sting knows uh, how that is. He was in the movie too. So he's still in the movie, honestly. 
<laughs> well, Dune is the correct answer, yes. Great. I totally forgot about that little sting clue. I didn't hear it the yeah, first I, time. Yeah. I didn't actually get that. Paul McLaughlin told me to put it in, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh well yeah you can look it up later and uh yeah exactly yeah all right question number six isle of man is a self-governing british crown dependency with quite the interesting flag in 1932 isle of man abandoned the union jack in favor of a flag showing a triskelion of what body part yeah alex we can lock in is this like um the like arms um I, I don't know. I'm not very good at vexillology. I've heard the word uh, Triskelion before, but I don't know exactly what it refers to, but I can imagine there's three. So maybe like uh, three... It is the name of a magic card. Oh, three arms or three legs. I think arms. Three arms. Okay. Yeah, so it's the Goro of uh, flags. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, that's, that's a good fine. reference. That's fine with me. Uh, Alex, I believe these are three legs. All right. Leg is correct. Shoot, I was so close. I was like right there. You got the body part. Yeah, they've part. got like shoes on. It looks like a pinwheel of like running almost. Yeah. Like Sting, I was right there, but then I just backed off of there. <laughs> All right. Question number seven. What band formed in 2006 got their name from a mentally disturbed and possibly not well-rested man repeating an odd phrase over and over while he approached the members after a show? Hmm. I've heard this before. Um, okay. I don't have anything in my mind at the moment, but I've heard this story. Because recently for um, Jason's Twitch thing, mm-hmm. I uh, I did uh, a swing round of band name origins. So this was one of the ones I read. All right. Yeah, I, I have no idea on this one. So uh, yeah, we can we can tap. Initially, it doesn't go with the clues, but I was like, Arctic Monkeys. I was curious, like, where the hell did they come up with Arctic Monkeys? It seems like something a crazy person would talk about. Well, I, don't that's, know. I mean, that's something about the same time. Yeah, we don't uh, we don't quite know, but Arctic Monkeys sounds kind of bizarre, so we're going to go Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, unfortunately, Neil, I couldn't come up with this, so we're just going to have to tap out here. All right, maybe this uh, hint was a bit too difficult to... Uh extrapolate on but not well rested referred to the song ain't no rest for the wicked the guy kept telling uh, him to cage the elephant that's right oh yeah. that yeah that makes sense all right question number eight extracts from what plants fan-shaped leaves are used to treat and prevent dementia memory loss and pain caused by too little blood flow despite little to no clinical evidence i think i can look in okay I uh, I don't know this one. I'm trying to think of stuff that I know is untested. Yeah, I wish I gave you more help, but I kind of have nothing, <laughs> nothing right now. Uh, the only thing I can think of is like maybe a tr- hydrochloroquine. <laughs> right. No, I was thinking maybe like CBD is one of those things that like nobody's really tested. So cannabis is like fan shaped, I guess. But every time Trump does that, it just reminds me of uh, contagion with forsythia. Jude Law just starts like peddling his fake drug. You want to go with that? It's uh, it's better than I would have come up with. Uh, cannabis, sure. All right, I think when you say fan shaped, you're referring to the ginkgo tree. Yes, ginkgo is correct. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Nice ginkgo biloba. Is that what that is? Yeah. Yep. Yes. All right, ginkgo biloba, the uh, honorary cousin of Rocky. If you ever, if you ever get a chance to eat a ginkgo bean, I don't recommend it. 
You've eaten a ginkgo bean? Ginkgo seed. Yeah, it tastes horrible. Just like raw? You just like popped it in? No, it was in a dish. It was in a Japanese dish. They do smell terrible. They smell terrible and they also taste terrible. Wow. Hot take on the ginkgo. All right, number nine. GT Dave's Living Foods Company owns roughly 40% of the market for what popular health-conscious product? Let's say uh, kombucha. Yeah. I don't think so, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. But yeah, we'll lock in with kombucha. Um, I'm not a very health-conscious person, Alex, so uh, I don't know what you think about this. Uh, just the first thing, kind of like major companies that are health-conscious, uh, especially in the past couple of years, I was thinking the Beyond Meat the all plant-based burgers. I know that that company's been kind of booming lately. Yeah, that's true. But I'm trying to think of, they own 40% of the market for like a product. So I don't know what the product is. Would it just be like alternative, like non, like a plant-based burgers? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Uh, we can go with that. Okay. And we locked in with kombucha? Yep. Kombucha is correct. Oh, no way. Oh my God. <laughs> nice guy. That's how I felt with Roller Coaster Tycoon. I was just like, I was just like, no, that can't be right. Really? Hmm. I've not heard of that. I'll have to look that up. Maybe it'll look familiar. All right. Last question, right? All right. Question number 10. Lamb, or L-A-M-B, is the Japanese-inspired fashion and set line by musician Gwen Stefani, as well as the name of her first solo studio debut album. The acronym apparently encompasses everything that Gwen Stefani stands for. So what does the acronym L-A-M-B stand for? Yeah, I think I have a, I think I have a guess. Um, I, I was a big No Doubt fan. Uh, Tragic Kingdom is oh, one of my... No Doubt, No Doubt, No Doubt. No Doubt, No Doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tragic Kingdom is one of my favorite albums. Um, and I kind of followed her when she went solo. Not as much, but I, I, have, an, I, I have a guess. So let me... Yeah, it's been a good 20 years since I've cared what she was doing. So, uh, uh, all right, whatever Neil thinks, we're locked in. Yeah, we're locked in. You're from California, so okay. maybe it's Los Angeles. Okay, Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm coming up with nothing I've for got, the yeah, end. Yeah, no so then we'll just lock in with Los Angeles. Mm. <laughs> all right, um, so uh, like I said, I like No Doubt a lot. Um, and when Gwen Stefani went solo, I made sure to get her album. Um, the reason I kind of remember, I don't even know if this is correct, um, is she had a song in there called Rich Girl, which was uh, using a sample of uh, Fiddler on the Roof, uh, which I was in, and I, I'm guessing the album, I think, was called Love Angel Music Baby, so that's what we locked in. Yeah, Love Angel Music Baby is correct. Definitely a question outside of everyone except Neil's uh, wheelhouse, but good job, Neil. Yep, I don't know why that's in the back of my head, but it's there. <laughs> I thought Neil might know that one. All right, so on to the final round, but let's get the scores first. All right, so the game is very tight. So you have 170, we have 160. So uh, let's hear those final round categories, Ryan. All right, the final categories are number one, presidents. Number two, mental disorders. Number three, word origins. Number four, numbers. And number five, one more sports question. All the wages are locked in. Let's hear those questions, Ryan. All right. Number one in presidents. I'll bet you 20 bucks that you can't name the president that Richard Lawrence attempted to assassinate in 1835, the first known presidential assassination attempt. Number two in mental disorders. 
Inspiring the name of Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in the 2008 film Synecdoche, New York, what mental disorder is characterized by the victim believing that he or she is dead or does not exist? Number three, in word origins. Now used to refer to someone considered uncivilized, what term was originally used to refer to someone who didn't speak Greek as a way of mocking how their native language sounded to those who couldn't understand it? Number four, in numbers. In number theory, what is the smallest perfect number? And in category five, one more sports question. In July of 2013, his final year of playing, what former Yankee pitching great received a gift from the Minnesota Twins called the Chair of Broken Dreams, which was a chair made of broken bats caused by one pitch that he threw almost exclusively? All right, we're going to take a look at these questions and be back with our answers. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. All the answers are locked in. Let's go through those questions one more time, Ryan, and we'll give you our answers. All right. Number one, I'll bet you 20 bucks that you can't name the president that Richard Lawrence tried to assassinate in 1835, the first known presidential assassination attempt. All right. So this one was uh, easy for us, we think, as long as there's no trick here. But uh, we went with Andrew Jackson. Yeah. We and we wagered uh, 20 on that. We think 1836 was the year Andrew Jackson was in office, and we feel like this is the one where either the gun misfired or whatever, and Jackson chased him down and tried to beat him up with his cane. So we said Andrew Jackson. Yeah, no tricks here. Andrew Jackson is the correct answer. All right, number two, mental disorders. The uh, mental disorder characterized by the victim believing that he or she is dead or not 
or does not exist, inspiring the name of Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in Synecdoche, New York. Yeah, this, this one was a bit uh, painful to me and Neil because we've seen this movie, uh, but we couldn't come up with the character name. Uh, so we just said uh, body displacement uh, syndrome. But uh, might I add uh, our favorite line of the movie, which is, I'm sick, I'm sick. <laughs> and we wagered uh, 10 on that. Um, I can't tell you, we wagered 30 on this one. I can't tell you how I came by this, but some time ago I remember uh, I was doing some zombie research, I think, and I came across a Cotard delusion, and we think it's Cotard. All right, so the name of his character is Caden Cotard. It is Cotard Syndrome or, Cot- or Cotard's Delusion. Good job, Jeff. Well done. And uh, Alex was mentioning that the first time he saw Synecdoche in New York, he had no idea what to make of it, and I felt the exact same way. <laughs> there was a lot it's of very places on fire. Yeah. There's people playing versions of their different people. Ah, it's an insane movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, number three in word origins, uh, now, used, now used to refer to someone considered uncivilized. What term was originally used to refer to someone who didn't speak Greek as a way of mocking how their native language sounded to those who couldn't understand it? Uh, we wagered 10 on this one, and I believe that is vulgar. All right, we wagered 20 on this one, and uh, I kind of remember um, that uh, barbarian was uh, came from the fact that people in Greece thought other people sounded like they were just saying bar, bar, bar. So we said barbarian. All right. I had a barbarian as the answer for that one. Okay. There's, there's some similar story about the word vulgar, but that's fine. Oh, is there? Okay. All right. Number four in numbers. Uh, according to number theory, what is the smallest perfect number? We wagered zero. Uh, we actually had no idea, so we just uh, we just said two. We also had no idea, um, and just guessed four, and we waited twenty. Yeah, this is kind of a rough one. Either you know it or you don't. <clears throat> uh, the correct answer is six. So a perfect number is a positive integer equal to the sum of its positive divider divisors. So if you take the number six, its divisors are one, two, and three. Add those up, and you get six uh also as a fun fact the most recent perfect number was discovered in 2018 and has almost 50 million digits wow that's insane seems worthwhile it's just computers doing it ken (laughs) all right and number five one more sports question in july of 2013 his final year of playing what mlb pitching great or what yankee pitching great sorry received a gift from the minnesota twins called chair of broken dreams which was a chair made of broken bats caused by a pitch that he threw almost exclusively. We wagered uh, an Oakland five. Um, I was trying to think of uh, Yankee pitchers that were known for being uh, uh, great, I guess, or um, really hard to face. And the only one I could come up with, uh, the most famous Yankee pitcher that I know is Mariano Rivera. So that's what we we said. Uh, we wagered zero on this one, so we didn't spend a whole lot of time. And the one Yankee pick pitcher over the past 10 years I could think of was CC Sabathia. All right. So the one pitch that he threw almost exclusively was his uh, cutter or cut fastball that caused a lot of broken bats. And he threw it, I think, in a 2011 study, they showed he threw it 85% of the time. Uh, that's Mariano Rivera. Well, good thing uh, it didn't really help us, but at least I, I knew the name there, I guess. Uh, 
<laughs> so after tabulating uh, those scores, uh, Team uh, Cowboy Hijinks, uh, even though they got a few wrong, they bet pretty big on number one and two. So they're going to, uh, looks like they're going to beat us. So we have 165 at the horsey game, but today's cream of the crop with 230 points is Cowboy Hijinks, Alex and Jeff. I am the cream. Good job. Nice game, guys. Well done. That's a good team effort. That swing round was really great. I felt like every time I didn't have something, Alex covered me. So great questions today, too. Yes, Ryan. Great job. All right. Well, thank you both for joining us today and for supporting us on Patreon. We very much appreciate it. Uh, Alex, any last words before we let you go? No, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Yep. Thank you so much. Uh, Shout out to your wife, too, who I know listens. So uh, thank you very much uh, to her as well. And Ryan, uh, very great game that you put together for us today. Great questions all over the board, uh, different references and everything. And uh, we appreciate you coming on to host. Uh, Thank you so much. Just want to thank all of the uh, play testers who went through my game and offered some great feedback. Uh, Sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Louis DeRojas, uh, Kelsey Barcombe, Taylor Cook. Benjamin Freericks, Tamara O'Brien, uh, Paul McLaughlin. Uh, if I missed anyone else, sorry about that. But thank you to everyone that play tested this game. A lot of helpful illustrious uh, list there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, and thank you to those uh, people who play tested. Uh, it seems to be a great uh, source for people to get play testers uh, in the crop. So thank you all for doing that and helping Ryan out. Uh, for Matt, uh, who, as we said is uh, trying to uh, do a Zoom conference. Uh, thank you to him. And then thank you to Jeff, Ken, uh, Alex, and Ryan. And that was Triviality. And knowing Jeff, of course, he got the uh, the feet reference there on the flag. So he's like <laughs> QT. They're full legs, bent at the knee. All you care about is the feet, though. <laughs> uh, all right, Ryan. <laughs> Continue.